the other kind of genius that was built into Tableau from day one was to connect to your data wherever it lived. So you could use this beautiful interface, regardless of whether you're working on an Excel spreadsheet or a huge Oracle database, or now, you know, the biggest cloud data warehouse in Snowflake or Google BigQuery or wherever it is. And you got that same exploration experience regardless. What if I told you that understanding the right data helped the Seattle Seahawks avoid a huge investment mistake? What if understanding data was the key to avoiding your own mistakes? Data has that power. And Mark Nelson, the president and CEO of Tableau, dedicated his company to democratizing analytics and getting insights into the hands of data people. Hear more on this episode. Mark, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me today. All right, right out the gate. You know, in case someone doesn't know, I feel like everyone should know what Tableau does, but in case someone out there doesn't know, tell us what is Tableau and what does it do? Yeah. So our mission at Tableau is to help people see and understand data. We have created software for the last 20 years that helps people explore data. Fundamentally, we we kind of created the space of modern BI that took the act of analysis from something that a few, you know, very geeky people who understood SQL and the shape of data to uh, something that anyone can do to explore their data, a beautiful point and click interface so that you can really dive into your data, see it, understand it, ask a question of your data and then get an answer. And even more than that, then ask the next question and the next question and the next question until you're really getting amazing insights and answers of your data. That That's what we do and that's our mission. I got to see firsthand the rise of Tableau as on, or the rise of business intelligence. I think a lot of our listeners also saw this. I don't want to diminish what it was, but in the really beginning, it was more like a charting tool. You know what I mean? Like it seemed, it seemed like you could get different data sources for the first time into this tool and it could produce graphs and charts for you. And then Ultimately, of course, the market moves, right? And your product changes because then people wanted to know like, well, can you be more predictive and tell me more about what is going to happen? Also, can you help me find out why this is happening? Because I remember the first time we implemented Tableau, and this is back in the early 2000s, where it was like, we have these beautiful charts, but then my boss would be like, well, why is it happening? I'm like, I don't, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about that evolution because you've, you've been part of that journey. Yeah, for sure. And you're exactly right. Like when this started, you know, back in the day of kind of classical reporting, that was it. The tools were built to say, oh, you want a bar graph? Great, I'll help you bar- build a bar graph. You want a pie graph? Like I'll help you buy a pie graph. And that was the genius that the, the founders of Tableau really changed that equation, right? They were like, that's not really what you want to do. I mean, sure, making pretty pictures with data, that, that's cool, fine. But to your point, like you, your real goal is to answer questions and to be able to, to explore that data to get to the insights that you want on both what's happened and what's going to happen. And so like their key intellectual breakthrough, there are a couple of big intellectual breakthroughs with Tableau. One was this notion of flipping that on its head of like, no, 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 like visualization and creating the graph, that's not the end goal, that is the act along the way. And so uh, the founders created this thing called VizQL, which is still the heart of the product, which really broke down to get a little geeky into a formal like mathematical algebra, all the ways that you can assemble a visualization. 
And so instead of making you choose up front, oh, this is the picture I want to draw. Now I'll bring data into it. It literally lets you on the fly and then with a beautiful point and click interface on top of it go, I'm going to assemble this piece by piece because I'm going to try this and I'm going to look at that. And then when I see that, I want to change it to be this way and let you assemble and, and create whatever it is. And, and more importantly, do it on the fly and explore, right? Because that's that's how you answer the questions. Their second huge insight was, because uh, the tools back in the day also made you bring all the data into the tool before you could do anything, right? And so the other key insight they had was there will never be a data source to rule them all. It will always be, your data is gonna be everywhere. You're gonna have spreadsheets, you're gonna have databases, you're gonna, if you're a big enterprise, you're, you're gonna have a big enterprise data warehouse but you're not all of you the data you're interested in is never going to live in your data warehouse no matter how good how big your IT shop is like you you will never have the one data source to rule them all and so the other kind of genius that was built into Tableau from day 1 was to connect to your data wherever it lived so you could use this beautiful interface regardless of whether you're working on an excel spreadsheet or a huge oracle database or now you know the biggest cloud data warehouse in snowflake or Google BigQuery or wherever it is. And you you got that same exploration experience regardless. I remember those days you described where it was like, because there was a period of time when it's not Tableau's fault or anything. It's just the way the market was. It was like you needed engineers, data engineers, just to, as you said, build your data lake. And then Tableau could reference the data lake. But then if you know you added a new source, you have to like catalog it. There's just a lot of programming. It was, it was kind of challenging. And so it's really interesting to see how the, the marketplace has changed or, you know, and your company's changed to say like, hey, we want to be almost like a connection tool. I don't know how the best way to describe it. It's like we can connect to any source, anytime, anywhere and just pull that information in. And you mentioned before the questions people are starting to ask now, like you just said, typically requires the marriage of two databases that don't connect. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you, you got to connect it. So, you know, I saw, for example, there was an article this morning about airlines they're trying different ways to board people because, of course, they want faster turns, faster turns, more flights, better customer success, so better sales. So sales, ops, customer success, those three things usually are in different databases. <laughs> totally. And, it, and it's those insights that you really get by marrying those things together to answer those kinds of questions. I mean, back to we are in the golden age of data. Like People are realizing data is the way to, to answer and to really just understand your world in a fundamentally different way, right? And like you said, for everything around you, uh, you know, how you board airplanes. Favorite story from, we had the Seattle Seahawks here in town as one of our, our great partners and how they had problems where they were getting dissatisfaction on their customer surveys. And it wasn't until they put that data into Tableau in kind of a heat map of their seats that they realized all the all the users were, or the, fans were complaining about the sound quality. There are all these complaints about sound quality in, in the, the surveys, and they didn't understand that. They put it on a heat map, and they realized it was not the entire stadium. It was the four corners of the stadium. And sure enough, they were able to trace that back to there was basically a flaw when they installed the sound system that ignored the corners. And they had been about to go in like a multi-million dollar complete revamp of the sound system for the stadium, and they realized, all we have to do is put some speakers in the corners and like, we're good. That's crazy. It's a simple solution to a tough problem because I'm sure there was a period of time, probably those complaints, Mark, like led to people not wanting those tickets. 
Yeah. And, and no one could figure out, like, again, because until you saw it in the right context, until you looked at the data, nobody knew. They just knew, well, X percentage of the replies are coming back with this. You know, what are we going to do? And it's getting that right data into the right visualization and ans asking the right question. And then, boom, like this amazing insight lights up on, oh, that's what's going on. Which brings us actually to the most interesting revolution or evolution of the of the BI space that's happening right now, which is the introduction of artificial intelligence. And we understand there are AI still in its infancy, so there's a lot of things that people want to accomplish with it. But when I think about what you just described, right now today, it takes an analyst and like you know, like the the visualization tools you mentioned. It usually takes an analyst that's quite inquisitive that knows how to layer or evaluate multiple data sets dive with deep questions, discover answers, make a hypothesis, come to a conclusion. The promise is to accelerate this path. And I think that's what every company or every business really wants is like, because if, if I need an analyst to find this, I'm still relying on a human to find the pattern. What if he doesn't see it? Or what if she doesn't see it? Like just by chance alone, there's a possibility you couldn't see it. I'm pretty confident, and this is where you're going, and I'd love to hear about it, is like, there will be a time when these insights are going to be served to me. I don't know if we're there yet, but give me an idea of how AI is going to impact BI in like the next five to 10 years. Yeah, for sure. And it is that vision of there is always the promise of like, AI is going to come in and replace us all. And you're just going to, you know, as I say, you're, you're going to pull all your data in and that's going to come back out and say, you should build ball bearings. Like that's not the vision. That's not how it's going to work. It is what you said is AI and machine learning is an amazing tool to, again, make humans more effective, right? This is what we believe. It is not that AI is the magic that gives you these answers. AI and ML are these tools that make humans be able to see things that they haven't been able to see before. Because you can let the machine do what machines are great at, right? Machine learning is inherently about cranking through a bazillion numbers and finding patterns that, sure, if, if, if you spent, spent you know, the next 10 years pouring over that data, the human brain could figure out, but a machine can figure that out in five minutes. And then marrying that with a beautiful interface that lets the human intellect then look at that and discern, oh, you saw that pattern. Oh, that's what that pattern means. You know, it's that that combination of the human insight with this number crunching and learning and machine learning ability that computers have. That's where the magic is. And so that's where, so we're going uh, down this path that we call business science, which is just that. It is how do we take these tools that today, you know, require propeller heads, right, to, to go in and really dive into the guts of, you know, what, what algorithms to use, how to do all these things, and make that much more approachable, just like we did the active visual analytics, right, and took it from people who had to understand SQL and relational databases, and put this in the hands of the people who are really trying to answer these questions, right, the business users who have these business questions, and how can we, again, simplify that, put more powerful tools at their fingertips, and it is blurring, like you said, the evolution of AI and BI, right? Like this notion of understanding, you know, what happened and why to predicting what comes next. And, you know, the line between what you want to call statistics and advanced statistics and machine learning, blurry. And the, the honest answer is like, users don't care, right? Users don't wake up in the morning going, God, I really, I want to go do some ML today, right? Like they wake up going, I have this problem that I want to go solve. And they just want to solve it by whatever means and whether, you know, that ends up being traditional analytics, statistics, or machine learning, you know, as long as they get to the outcomes that they want easily and efficiently, 
that's really what users are, pe- are, are aiming for. How is your organization, how is Tableau approaching building this? Because where are you investing your time, energy? Like we looked you up and we saw that you were in charge of product prior to taking over as CEO at Tableau. And so I've heard a lot of product leaders talk about like user stories, right? Like they have a user story that they convey and they say like, this is what I want my customers to be able to do. And they tell the engineers, how do we make this come true? Give us an idea of how you're, how you're approaching, like how to tackle this. Because like you said, people use the term AI and ML enough to try to account for everything that it doesn't have as much meaning, I think, as it used to, because it's become this like ubiquitous term. It's like, oh, it's going to be solved by AI. It's like, oh, come on, man. Like AI can't solve everything. Give us an idea of how you guys are like tactically approaching, implementing this to better deliver those insights. You know, I like to say it's preemptively, right? Because that's what everyone really wants. Like, I would love a tool to tell me, I'm in media production, for example, hey, you're starting to get a lot of traffic on Spotify. I'm like, cool, I can invest in advertising there. Hey, you're starting to lose traffic on YouTube. What's going on there? You know what I mean? Like, and it tells me, like, hey, your longer videos don't do as well as your shorter videos. I'm like, wow, that would be an insight. You know what I mean? Give us an idea how you're tackling this. There's kind of three big approaches that we have, kind of three columns. So the first is just building this under the covers so that the software is smarter and does smarter things for you, right? So these are features that are just serving up those insights and giving you things. And these are features like we've shipped a thing called explain data, which is kind of that last one, that last stuff, like just give me the insights. So you've done a visualization and you can see like, wow, this mark is way out of the norm. And you can click on that and say, why? Why is that out of the norm? And it will crank through a whole bunch of other factors in your data and say, here's where it's correlated. This is These are the possible causes of why this doesn't look like the other things. And it does that for you. So it's not, sure, again, you could do that on your own, but the idea is to have smarts behind the scenes that are giving you those insights, that are explaining to you why does your data look like it does. Things like recommendations, both on content to see and data to go explore, data sources, depending on what you wanna do. It's also about going into other modes of interaction to let you just ask those questions in a natural language form. So we have a thing called Ask Data that lets you kind of more like Google-like ask questions of your data as opposed to doing visual analytics. Oh, that's cool. And then we actually just acquired a company called Narrative Sciences, which will be integrated in the product soon, that is natural language generation. So to your point of not just showing you a graph, but looking for those things that have changes and then presenting it to you in, in plain language stories, you know, saying like, like your example, hey, your long podcasts are getting a lot more play than your short podcast. And it really, it looks through your data for those patterns and then literally spits out a text story that shows you that. So that's one column is like really pushing just, you know, that's all behind the covers. You don't really know that you're using AI and ML. It's just our software applying those techniques and and giving you better answers. The next column is to actually put some of those tools directly in your hands. And so there's a a tool we've combined together uh, from that was in the existing analytics product at Salesforce, which we've combined together with Tableau, the Tableau CRM product called Einstein Discovery. That is an ML modeling tool, an auto ML modeling tool. And so it is literally meant to say, give me data, I will learn and I will produce models. If you want to predict what's going to happen with this, I will put a self-modeling tool in your hands. That is again, easy to use. It's meant for the business user so that you can, it is as simple as 
pointing at the data set, saying what metric you want to optimize, and then getting a model off the other side. So continuing on this path of you know, not just making the software do this, but literally putting some of that modeling tools so you can use them in your hands. And then the third is playing, because um, we know there's a bunch of great ML tools out there that are built for the propeller heads who are deep into machine learning and AI. And that's fine, great, go use those tools, but you still have this problem of you need to get data into those tools. And then if the model is meant for human consumption, you know, some models are meant to literally be fed into a system in the back end, but a bunch of them, you do those models for humans to look at, to get understanding. And of course, like Tableau, we are the interface that people look at to see and understand their data. So we built these integrations so that you can pipe data out of Tableau into your um, ML modeling tools and then get the output of those models and bring them back into the tool so you can display them, you can put them into dashboards, you can mix them with your other data so that you can make you know, as Tableau as your, your window into your data, you can get your model outputs and your model information in there so that people can see and understand it. So it's kind of that whole spectrum because like you said, ML and AI is a big space that's changing quickly, but that's how we're approaching it. Every person hears what they want to hear, you know? And when you were telling all those products, once you said like, I could just Google my data, I was like, I was just fixated on that concept because I was like, dude, that would be killer. I know so many business leaders that would just love to be able to ask their data questions. So like, for example, if I was an apparel company, what's the most popular color in Florida? Red. Oh, (laughs) that would be be bananas to help me like influence my manufacturing decisions, customer service decisions, operating decisions. Like I could see people really, really enjoying a feature like that. That would be killer. And that is the idea of, because you know, we believe we, we really helped a whole nother class of people get to do data visualizations, but if we really want to get to data ubiquity so everyone can work with data, it has to get easier and easier. It has to get to that point because you're right, there's still, we believe we have the most beautiful and easy to use visual analytics tool, but there are still people who are you know paralyzed by that blank canvas. And so having, the, again, this ability to Google your data and even if it, it then you know, ends up showing you a visualization, it's a lot easier to start with that visualization and then work with it than, again, having to start with a blank canvas and having to like start dragging in data sources. You know, as easy as we believe we've made that, that's still intimidating for a lot of users. The vision that you're painting is certainly exciting. I'm sure a lot of engineers want to be a part of it, but this is something that also a lot of data leaders, software engineering, you know, any company in software has this problem, but I feel like anyone leaning more to the data side even more has this problem, which is the recruiting and retention of talent. Data science is one of those disciplines that there's just not enough of. There's not enough people with this discipline that understand this subject. Someone at one of our other interviews talked about like how as hard as it is to retain like web developers, backend developers, and engineers, they said data science is the hardest one for us. Give us an idea. How are you guys approaching this? Because certainly a company is nothing more than the, you know, the sum of its people. This is something every CEO has talked about. Like, hey, this is a big challenge right now to get these people to come work and love working for you so that they can solve these problems. How are you guys approaching that? Uh, so I'll talk about us and how we solve that in a moment, but I also want to give a pitch for just in the larger world, this notion of people with data skills is something that's in too short supply today, right? So we're also outside of our own recruiting and, and having great people working here at Tableau. We've also sponsored the, the Data 10 Million Challenge of training 10 million people in the next five years to have data skills, right? Because every company 
you know, is looking for those skills, data science, analysis, the ability to work with data. So as part of our great Tableau community, we're really pushing on, like we need to get more people skilled with data and out there. And then, so, and then, as you said, every company, like we need great, great people to come work at Tableau and that that's a continual not struggle and, and challenge to make sure that the best people come and want to be here. You know, our leading thing is our mission. We are a mission-driven company. Like we help people see and understand data. We just believe like this is, it's more than, you know, a tagline of how we build our software. This is just goodness in the universe. We walk that walk in some of the things we do. We've, we've had the racial equality data hub. We had our COVID data hub. We have the Tableau Foundation that gives away money and software. So people who come to work at Tableau and stay at Tableau, like so many of us are here because of that mission, because we believe, because we, we see the good that happens in the universe when data can be used and can be used for good. And there's the blocking and tackling of, you know, compensation and having a fun work environment. But I would say like our unique edge of Tableau is that mission. People come here because they know we are literally changing the world and the way the world works for good by enabling people to use data. I mean, that investment you mentioned of getting more and more people to get trained up. I mean, that is the big investment I see other, I mean, it's just going to have to happen. Like, if you know private industry is waiting for like school curriculums to provide this level of knowledge information, there's just not enough people that know about it, can teach it, study it, willing to study it. And that, you know, I mentioned it to one of my son, my son is only 13, but he's really taken towards math sciences. He likes engineering. Told him about data science, and he was he was kind of fascinated. He's like, "Mean you could just look at numbers all day and get paid?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> I mean, it's more complicated than that, but for a 13 year old, like that's a good start to think like this is possible. This is just going to be a skill you need to survive in life, right? Like, forget about whether you make it your living or not. The ability to, to understand data and to understand the world around you through the data that comes in through it is a life skill that's going to be necessary for everyone. And so that certainly means training existing workers, but it also means, again, getting, I have 13 year old as well and like getting them to understand like, this is just how, how you're going to, one of the tools you're going to have to understand the world. And and this is what I love, like because data applies to everything, every human endeavor, right? This is not a business thing. This isn't a math and science thing. Some of my favorite stories come out of athletics, right? Like we had a bunch of Olympians come on the Tableau conference and talk about elite athletes. And you think of athletics as kind of like the most human endeavor, and yet the most elite athletes are getting that last one-tenth of one percent performance that makes the difference through data by being able to see, you know, what's really improved in their training, what's really made a difference. And what I tell my kids all the time is that the next advance in kind of every human endeavor is going to be software, but then data in particular, right? Because it is this new window into how we see and understand the world. So what you just described, we actually had another guest on the show and they work with Olympians and they were talking about how you can model running to find like the optimum efficiency for a person's body size. And then you can map it over an athlete. And then the difference in the Olympics between best in the world to no medal at all is like 0.02 seconds or whatever that number is. It's, it's a fraction. And so getting an athlete to work on their foot angles, knee angles, bend angles, and you're like, is this necessary? It's like, it absolutely is to be at the best. It is totally. And it, well, my favorite story is from now fairly long ago, because it was 2018 
when the, the women's U.S. women's soccer team won the World Cup. And there's a, a great article I have to go back and find that was about how those ladies trained. And they were all wired up to the T so that every practice, and it was exactly like you said, they knew exactly how fast each one of those ladies could corner, could accelerate, could everything. And they designed plays based on that because they knew like the capabilities. And again, that's that last, that last little bit of, of difference comes from the knowledge that you glean coming out of that data, which is, it's amazing. So Tableau, one of the things is you're handling all this data for so many different customers. You're hearing customer requests, you're hearing problem sets come in, which puts you guys in a really unique position because you hear and you're engineering solutions for the masses, but you get to hear and see like the best practices and see these things like that. And so this is actually a question that came from one of our previous guests that they wanted to ask you, and it fits nicely. Uh, this is from Haim Mazal. He is the SVP of engineering at Kanji, which is uh, a app that manages enterprise Apple products. And he wants to know, you know, with all that internal data and you're using that to improve your engineering, IT, security, how are you guys thinking about those improvements and also passing those improvements on to the rest of the community that leverages Tableau? Yeah, uh, a number of things to say here. So, so first is our community. We do believe we're just stewards of an amazing set of users that are out there. Our mission is to make sure that community is super connected and able to share things. So there's both what we can share out, but then making sure and the, the, the community is million strong, um, has a, a bunch of things that they do and just to see them in action, to see how that community forms and how they help each other and share things is amazing. So that's part of it is consciously feeding and making these opportunities so that people can share among themselves in this amazing Tableau community that we have. We also have our own blueprint and other stories that we publish out on the blueprint is literally meant to be a best practices. How, how do you get a data culture inside of your business? How do you actually get it so that everyone in your business is using data the way it should? How can we kind of show you the way based on what, because like I said, we've seen hundreds of thousands of companies try to go through this and try to really institute a data culture. And it's hard because it's not, it's not just a technology problem. It's a mindset, right? It is a training and skills, it's a comfort level, it's a, it's a mindset of, I'm not just gonna guess when I'm in that meeting on what I should do next, I'm gonna ask for data to back that up. Our pushing out of insights and things through like Blueprint and, and our white papers, it is fostering this community to make sure that there's you know, just amazing learnings. And then there's what we build into the product, you know, which again is noticing that people do these things and then making it easier and easier for people to do those operations. Mark, also while you were talking about those communities that Tableau supports, we also did a little homework and found out something that called the Data Leadership Collaborative. Can you explain what that is? The Data Leadership Collaborative is part of our community where we really take data leaders from all over in all kinds of industries and connect them together so they can share best practices and what's, what's worked and the struggles that they're having in their organization so they can really share and, and get those best practices across the community really effectively for those people who are trying to lead those data organizations. And so we're really excited about this new effort of connecting those leaders together. So it's like experts talking with experts, or I guess practitioners talking with practitioners either way. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's a pretty cool thing. It's good to hear that those things are actively happening. 
Yeah, no, and it's awesome. And it is back to our mission and, and why this is an amazing place to work, right? You see those inspiring stories on what people have been able to do with data. And it's amazing. And it makes you, it does, it makes you feel really good about what you do when you see these amazing stories, especially when it's our partner um, nonprofit called PATH here in Seattle, that's been a long-term partner in eliminating malaria using Tableau and using data. And you just, you see those stories come out and you see what they've been able to accomplish. And it's, it's amazing. And it just, again, makes you feel good about the world. This is a question that I think a lot of especially small business owners care a lot about is like, how will the product become increasingly more available to the smaller companies? Because, you know, one of the things is, hey, this is a big project. There's just a need, I think, for in so many sectors, like you mentioned, nonprofit, small business. I think everyone could benefit, obviously, from having better information. Is it something on the horizon that Tableau is thinking about? Like, how do we make this more accessible, more useful, more easy to implement across all markets? Is that something you, you see happening in the next five to 10 years? Is it a major goal or is it not a priority at this time? Oh, no, for sure. I mean, and on multiple fronts, like just in terms of product functionality is, again, how can we keep making it easier and self-service so that we can help, you know, not only our biggest companies, you know, the biggest customers that we have down to the smallest, like a, one of our favorite examples is a brew pub that is two blocks from headquarters that is a Tableau customer, right? And, you know, they, they have five employees, right? Like, how can we make sure that we're serving that range with easy to use and easy to implement? And in particular, as you get to our, you know, software as a service or SaaS solutions that are, you know, they're easy, they're easy to use. There's no software to install. You just, you put in your money and, and you go. And then also to some of those commercials, right? Like we have an academic version to make sure that, you know, if you're a teaching institution, you can get access to Tableau for free. We, you know, work through the foundation to give away our software we're also working with Salesforce and then their charitable arm to make sure that the software can go through those channels as well. So all of that, right? Because again, this core belief of data helps everyone and in particular on social issues. And so let's make sure that everyone who needs the software can have it. That's fantastic to hear it. I'm with you. I think this is the kind of thing that can help solve huge problems and obviously solve small problems too. And you know, every problem that gets solved is helpful for our society. Mark. It was great having you on the show, but before you go, it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Mark, this is where we ask you questions outside of the realm of work so our audience can get to know you a little better. You ready? Yeah. All right. We did a little homework. It looks like running is a big part of you and your family's life. Is that accurate? Yes, for sure. How did you develop a love for running? Yeah, I started running uh, with my sister uh, when I was in middle school and my sister is in high school and I just started running with her in the evenings, turned into a cross country career through high school. And then I've been running kind of ever since. It is my tool for both mental and physical health. You know, some people meditate, some people have, you know, whatever it is that helps you really focus your mind and body. For me, that is running. That alone time where you're, you're really, you're pushing your body hard and it really lets your mind focus and focus on other things. And that is totally what I use running for. Do you enter races? I do. I used to be pre-children, which is a long time ago now. You know, used to be harder core with my wife and I. Our favorite race is uh, actually a relay race. It's called Hood to Coast. And it goes from, uh, we lived in Portland at the time. It goes from Timberline Lodge up on Mount Hood. 
and goes to Seaside, Oregon, out on the coast. So it's 200 miles, <laughs> 12 runners in two minivans, and you run for about 24 hours, handing off from one to the other. And so you run three legs over the period of 24 hours. And it is a ton of fun because it combines you know, both you running your legs and keeping your body going for 24 hours, but you're in a van with six other people and there's another van of six people in your team and keeping everybody going through sleep deprivation and one of the legs, you get about three hours to try to sleep in a sleeping bag in the middle of the coastal range in Oregon. And it's just a ton of fun. Have you ever heard of the Krispy Kreme run in North Carolina? No, I have not. Although I know, I, I'm guessing I've seen similar things. Yeah. Yeah. You, you run two and a half miles out you eat a dozen Krispy Kremes and you run two and a half miles back. And the goal is to be under 60 minutes. Oh, <laughs> harsh. yeah, I've seen, I've seen similar donut run. There is one in Portland that, that had a pint of beer with a, in, in the two mile mark of a 5K. <laughs> yeah, those are special torture. That's a, that's a, it's a different physical challenge. You know, we also saw when we were looking up and doing our homework on you is uh, you had a really cool hiking photo of Mount Rainier. Do you hike a lot? Do you hike mountains a lot? Like, give us an idea. What else do you like to, it seems like you love being outside. I love being outside. I had the fortune of living in the Pacific Northwest for the last 27 years. And it's just a beautiful part of the country. Love being in the mountains and hiking. And indeed, yeah, behind me, you can see I've got pictures of both from climbing. So that's Mount St. Helens from the top of Mount St. Helens. And then up above is Mount Rainier, which I had the opportunity to climb three and a half years ago. Just beautiful places and amazing, amazing experiences. You're also a bit of an environmentalist too. We noticed some of your tweets are about ecosystems and preserving natural ecosystems. I'm an avid surfer myself. I'm like you because I enjoy the outside. I want to protect the outside. You know, and we definitely try to walk the walk in terms of our our conservation, recycling, you know, reuse and, and composting. We have solar panels on the house, two electric cars, which, you know, again, just during the summer here in the Pacific, during right now, during the winter, we only generate about 10% of the power. During the summers, we generate 130% of the power we need. If you don't tell anyone, during the summers, it's actually really beautiful here. And we get, you know, 16-hour days and... And yeah, it's amazing. Like, I feel really good. Like we power basically our house and our transportation off of what I know is 100% renewable energy, which is, which is awesome. So I'm a beach person, right? And we, we see trash on the beach, which I can't stand. I can't stand it. Like I, it's a personal pet peeve of mine. And I'm going to go a little off topic here. But if you're listening to this and you go to a beautiful beach or a beautiful park or whatever you go and you leave trash, you're doing everyone a huge disservice. Just pick up after yourself at minimum. But me and my sons, we go walk in the beach every morning to pick up trash, similar to what you talk about conservation efforts. And they ask why we should. And I, and I always said, because who else is going to do it? It's sad. It's sad that people come to these places and leave trash. I know it is. And it's terrible. Like you will get where you think is super remote hiking. And all of a sudden there's like trash inside the trail and you go, come on, like, come on people. And yeah, and for sure, I carry a bag with me. This is one of my habits that my wife still is like, really? But uh, I do. I carry a bag and we'll pick up trash as we walk along kind of wherever we are because it's the thing. And if, if I'm not getting cleaned up, I don't know who is. You're a good dude, Mark, man. It was awesome having you on the show. I want to say thank you for sharing what Tableau is up to. Thanks for sharing a little bit about who you are outside of Tableau, of course. And let me tell you something. I loved hearing you talk and 
some of those features you talked about and some of the ways you want to go down market and make data accessible for everybody. I'm sure people listening to this are going to get fired up what the future holds because, hey, if I don't have to be super technical to integrate all my data and I can just ask it questions, who knows how how much better my decision making will be. It's going to be better than what I how I make decisions today. That's for sure. Awesome. Well, that's what we're aiming for. Thank you so much for having me on today. And um, love that you're a good Tableau advocate. And we hope to help you see and understand data.